1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, We want to thank each of you again for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And we want to thank our sponsors uh, for making this show economically viable, for the second hour, our sponsors are Americ's Gold, Legend Gold, and Rye Patch Gold Corp. Well, Carmen, uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about speculation and how people were buying real estate for the wrong reasons. They bought real estate because they thought it was a one-way ticket to wealth they bought real estate because they thought it could not go down and I can remember back in those days that was the that was basically what you heard day in and day out on the mainstream media every now and then somebody would come along and say "Mm, I think this is getting a little bit ridiculous there would be a person now and then that would say wait a minute renting makes more sense than buying and in fact I bought that idea Carmen I and my wife we sold our house way too early when the prices seemed way too high and then we uh, we leased back our, a poor, it was a two-family house. We sold it to a Peruvian couple, and we rented for a while, and we watched the price of that house go up and up and up another, I don't know, 40%, 50%. Uh, and we're saying to ourselves, how dumb can we be? But we were looking at the rents and we're saying, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet this bubble, and it was a bubble, right? I think we would agree on that. It went further and further. Until finally it went kaboom. Because bubbles go kaboom eventually. They're unstable. They're not, there's not that income underlying that, that asset, that, that asset to justify the price and the debt that's been taken on to buy it. Mm -hmm. Unlike what you're suggesting people do now, go out and buy an asset, buy a piece of real estate based on the cash flow that justifies. In other words, the company or the project has intrinsic value uh... like a bond or like a, you know something that is intrinsically valuable you're buying a stream of cash flow but here's my question for you how do you think why do you think we had these, this horrific bubble
3: well um... based on Aust- Austrian perspective and also based on my personal experience in real estate and lending industry um... first of all let me say this okay um, and I probably, you'll agree with me, to have something, one must earn it first. And I know that I have seen all this um, uh, tremendous propaganda about the, the right of people to own a home, uh-huh. when all along I always said it is actually a privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you don't have the right until you actually earn it first. got to work for it. However, that's not what politicians and the media told us. Um, but what really, there's three events that, and, uh, that I can think of that started all this, um, the, the bubble, the, the real estate boom, and that started with a massive credit expansion of the federal reserve, reserve via the, the financial institutions. Um, it lowered the interest rate and it did cause malinvestments from uh, individual point of view and also from business point of views because builders... Never thought, never crossed their mind with their lines of credit from, from local banks. They never thought that this will ever end. They thought, oh, I'm gonna keep on building and building and building and building, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was unsustainable. So that is malinvestment. Um, then the second event was government intervention in the lending sector, whereas they forced the banks to loosen up their guidelines. Uh, I remember when I first started in the lending industry back in early 90s, um, there were some strict uh, guidelines. I mean, there wasn't anything like 100% or stated income loan or no income documentation, no asset documentation, or anything like that. Now, granted, we didn't have... Uh, uh, credit scoring at that time, and to be honest, I really think that it was better that way because underwriters were personally evaluating individuals' credit um, um, history, mm-hmm. so they would look at each account individually. But that's mm-hmm. you know for another time we can we, did, we can discuss uh, the lending sector in more detail. Mm-hmm. And then we had the deregulation of Wall Street's paper derivatives. Yeah. so all these three events in my opinion they they were the recipe for the artificial boom uh, the recipe for the economic disaster so this is these are the three events in a nutshell that that triggered the boom and of course there were uh, then then you had the events that triggered the bust you mm-hmm. know and well
2: you know, i would I would suggest that the bust was built into the prices the prices were you know people borrowed so much money they weren 't sustainable they could not be paid and I would also argue, and i 'm not sure if you would agree with me, but I kind of think you would that uh the reason i mean you gave those three reasons for the for the for the bubble, but to me, the fuel for all of for all of that was the money creation. Out of nothing by the Federal Reserve, would you agree with that
3: i I definitely agree with that absolutely i mean if uh, if people were to understand how the Federal Reserve creates credit and then monetizes it i mean it, it, uh, people when i tell you this people would uh, i mean we could change the system, but um I think reality is that they're trying to get it so that, so that we are confused. And we we kind of leave it all up to to the politicians and bureaucrats mm-hmm. and uh, let them worry about our own safety and our our well-being. Uh, but in reality, if we understood how they did it, it would be simple. Don't do it. I mean, it's it's common sense. Don't create something out of nothing.
2: Yeah, well, that's a, I think it's sort of is it known as the psychological. A dynamic of regression, where we'd all like to go back and let our mommies and daddies take care of us, and so rather than being responsible, rather than uh, than doing the right thing, we tend to do. You know, we're weak and we go for what's easy and what's attractive. And and people were given an opportunity to live in a luxurious setting in a in a home that they had no way of, of financing. And yet, uh, to me, it you know all these things you mention are are true, but it seems to me that. If it were not for Alan Greenspan's permissive uh, monetary regime, there, there is no way that we would have had this kind of problem. Of course, this is why uh, I know Louis Lehrman, who is going to be coming on after you, uh, believes one of the reasons he believes so firmly that we need to go back onto a, to a gold standard. Well, let's, let's say um, if you can get those kind of returns on, on real estate right now, Uh, And we're going to take a look at your blog uh, and try to to follow up on that and try to learn how we might be able to institute and benefit uh, from some of these investment ideas. Um, How does real estate then fit in? You also believe very strongly in owning gold and, I suppose, silver as well.
3: Absolutely, yes. That's a hard asset, definitely. Um, As far as investing opportunities in real estate, well, first of all, I'm going to say again, hard assets, <laughs> gold and silver, and and real estate, and of course, um, there are good commodities out there as well. But I don't get, you know, to expand too much on that because I'm primarily gold, silver, and real estate
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at
3: this time. Um, as far as what you see, if you're asking me what you'll see on my blog, it's, it's basically. Uh, first of all, I, I like to write on a maybe weekly basis uh certain things that I um that I learn and I wanna make sense of. Now learning about economics and analyzing investments um as a result of eco- macroeconomics um it takes a certain type of you know, I guess understanding and effort. So what I try to do I try to write once a week and make sense of everything that I write and put it in Easier to understand terms to the people that subscribe to my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, um, there's I, I do have a tab over there um, with investing opportunities, um, and I do show people basically what they can um, invest in in real estate. Just some examples. Now they are not all the all the properties because a lot of these properties are really grabbed by international investors very fast. So mm-hmm. I really don't keep up with updating the properties there. as as much as I should but that's because they do go fast and they do go to international investors mm-hmm. but there's like turning key properties and turnkey what is the turnkey it's basically it's, it's a property that has been completely rehabbed it has been rented out with lease agreements and it's already been placed under property management. So if, say, you live in New York and you want to buy in another town where there is that opportunity, you have the property manager that has been pre-screened. You have a group of professionals, so it's not like you're going to have to go and handle all this on your own. Um, Then, obviously, I do have um, multifamily duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, and apartment buildings. And then there's also that opportunity out there where you can invest in larger commercial uh, projects through a uh, private real estate syndicate. And what that is, it's merely a group of investors that um, are pulling their money together to invest in, in bigger projects in real estate. And they raise funds um, through private placement, which is actually a security but unlike the REIT, the real estate investment trust, they're not publicly, uh, publicly traded. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if anyone is interested in that obviously they can contact me and I'd be happy to set them up and, and um, evaluate their scenario and take them you know take their hand and, and guide them in the right direction.
2: Right and your contact points are on your website or on your blog site I guess.
3: Yeah, there's a tab where it says contact me, so um, anybody interested in that, they could just send me an email and they will have individualized attention with me.
2: Carmen, I have another question for you on um, on these returns that you were talking about, 5%, 10%. Are you assuming leverage or are you assuming uh, those are 100% cash?
3: 100% cash. A lot of times, and I actually wrote a while back an article, uh, maybe about two or three months ago, um, when you have leverage, if you have the right leverage basically those returns are increased based on your lower investment so um yeah i will say if if there's cash investment you're looking at those type of returns if you're leveraging then you you could
2: you can do, do better experience. than
3: that yeah you can yeah. do yeah. that so better. if you
2: were so if you were for the sake of argument if you were getting 5% uh, on 100%, and if you borrow 50%, you get 10% maybe after uh, on your on your um, on your investment possibly.
3: I'm sorry, could you say that well, again? I w- yeah,
2: I was just saying is if you're getting 5%, you're investing 100% uh-huh. of the price of the property. Oh. If you were to borrow 50%. Yeah, uh, you, you might can double your returns.
3: That. And of course, it depends on what uh, what rate, what interest. rate of interest. Yes, yeah, of course.
2: course, of course. And that
3: will course. depend on, on of course, you know, what type of property you're buying. Is it a multi-family, is it a single-family dwelling, a duplex? And of course, uh, overall, what your credit is and and your financial picture overall. But yeah, the rate of return will also be. Uh, I mean, the, the interest rate will, will uh, be a, a key element also in how high the return could be or, you know, if they're lower or higher.
2: Unfortunately, Carmen, we are out of time. Uh, we didn't get to uh, the, um, the issue of your um, fleeing off to Italy in search of freedom. But, you know, I think we may have you on next week. We're going to be talking to another very interesting guest next week, uh, Jeff Nielsen. Uh, and I have an idea that your your past experience may dovetail very nicely with with what Jeff is going to have to say. So I think maybe we'll save that part of your life story for next week, if you don't mind.
3: I don't and, mind at all. I'd be actually very happy to come back uh, next week with you.
2: All right. Well, we'll talk about that, but it just, I mean, the thought just occurred to me. It seems to make a lot of sense in doing that, and especially since we are uh... basically out of time now we have to make room for lewis lehrman who's going to be with us uh... after the break lewis is going to be back again he was with us last week uh... very generously uh... provided a lot of great ideas for us uh... he's going to talk a little bit about how we might actually go back to a gold standard and i and i just keep going back to what james grant uh, the quote he, he made, um, I'd like to just quote him what he had to say on Bloomberg a few weeks ago, on Bloomberg television when, uh, when the anchor lady asked, asked, uh, Mr. Grant if he thought we actually would go back to a gold standard, uh, James Grant said, we have a saying in Brooklyn, this is not a promise, this is not a threat, it's going to happen. James Grant and Louis Lehrman were both testifying on Ron Paul's uh, committee recently uh, ex- uh looking and, and questioning the fed the federal reserve's behavior and uh and those are two guys that believe very heavy hitting guys guys that with with great backgrounds who are highly respected in the mainstream who believe we are going to go on back onto a gold standard. And Lewis Lehrman will be with us right after the break to help us understand how he thinks that's possible. would almost seem impossible a few years ago, but given the way things are going now, given the loss of confidence in the markets, in the dollar, in the global markets, it looks to me like it could happen. And I think Carmen uh, would agree that it's probably would be a good development on balance. So in any event, that's Uh, we're going to be right back with Lewis Lehrman right after the break, so don't go away.
0: Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital combined with advanced technology will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH. This program is
5: brought to you by Sandgold at www.sandgold.ca. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-10 gold mining region. Sandgold continues to show tremendous exploration success. With two mines already in production, the company is now revealing a new gold mining trend. Discover the potential at
0: Sandgold.
5: Trading symbol SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www. Sandgold.ca
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be flying.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. It was an honor to speak with Lewis Lehrman a couple of weeks back. Uh, Lewis is a strong advocate for returning to an honest monetary system, and that would be tied to gold and or silver, as the Constitution calls for. Uh, last week, we aired part one of my interview with this highly acclaimed student of the gold markets and a real strong ally and friend of Ron Paul as well. Uh, I started out uh, part two of my conversation with Mr. Lehrman by asking him how he would respond to the argument that we can't go on a gold standard because it would hinder our country's ability to defend itself. Here is what Lewis had to say. Some people may argue against the gold standard from a security point of view. If we go on a gold standard we may not be able to finance our military industrial complex and other things that our government does for our national security. How would you respond to that argument?
4: I have two uh, reactions, and I've had two different reactions over, you know, the last 40 years of being um, more than 40 years active um, with respect to this issue on the public policy scene. Mm-hmm. First, um, at the moment, I believe we have more than enough of the budget invested in what is the most effective military machine to defend Americans uh, that we might need. Um, second, I do believe that the uh, American military system, <coughs> um, when it has at its best organized to or defend American citizens, its primary purpose uh, can be made ever more efficient. Um, I believe we have engaged ourselves in enough foreign wars. <coughs> I believe we uh, and we should no longer. Uh, extend our military. I I did oppose the Libyan operation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I also believe that we have defended most of the world um, uh, without being compensated. Uh, uh, Ever since the end of the Second World War, I think it's time for the Europeans to take on a much more complete defense of their own very rich uh, continent, despite the banking problems that they have. I mean, the per capita real income uh, uh, U- Europe is uh, uh, approximately uh, the same as ours not to mention their population it's about 50% uh, l- larger in the European Union we have a vast military establishment in Europe I believe that that can be gradually reduced
2: I mm-hmm. well, certainly uh, <laughs> would wonder if some of the military industrial complex would agree with you on that but uh, maybe it's empire building instead of uh, defending the borders of the United States which is which is a question here but I'm wondering also if we might not actually be in the process of destroying our military from inside out if we can't finance if we can't get the Chinese and others to buy our treasuries going forward it would seem to me we may be in a self-destructive fiat currency system now but uh, in any event how would we how would we go back to the gold standard how could it be implemented Ron Paul has suggested legislation that would allow gold to compete as money with the dollar but how do you think a return to the gold-backed monetary system could be implemented or will be implemented
4: well, there's, uh, Ron and I agree on uh, the uh, the making of gold a a a competitive um, money to uh, the legal tender status um, of the paper dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we also agree that in the end we want. Um, gold to be the final money of the United States, that is to say, the dollar itself uh, to be defined in, in statute as a weight unit of gold. Thus, it would be a permanent convertibility price of uh, uh, the paper dollar, so to speak, uh, the credit dollar uh, that you have on deposit at the bank, into gold uh, unrestricted, uh, which every citizen uh, has, has the right to claim. Mm-hmm. How, how do we get there? Well... Fortunately, we have much historical experience. Uh, uh, During the Civil War, um, we went off the gold standard. In 1875, um, the Resumption Act was passed. That is to say, to put America back on the gold standard. In 1879, the resumption was effective. So just taking that for an example, that was a four-year period in which the market had time to adjust to... um, uh, accommodate itself to a change in a floating dollar, which is the existing system today as well, to a dollar convertible at a fixed rate to gold. Mm-hmm. Um, coming forward into our home period of uh, uh, 2011, the President of the United States uh, should announce, uh, and I believe a President of the United States will announce in the not too distant future, that uh, especially if we can replace Bar- Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. that uh, at a date certain, um, let's say not more than four years in the future, America is going to return to the constitutional monetary standard, Mm -hmm. that is, a dollar convertible uh, to gold at a fixed parity, and that um, during the uh, subsequent four years, all institutional arrangements, banks, citizens, uh, businessmen, individuals, pensioners, can adjust their affairs in anticipation of this. At the time uh, of the expiration of the four years, uh, all will have had a chance to adjust their uh, conduct based upon this. And at, uh, at that moment, the parity, the gold parity uh, will be fixed and established by law in Congress, not unlike the way it was done in 1879. I might add that after 1879, when the dollar was made um, um, a gold dollar again, The following decade was the greatest boom economic decade in American history, the 1880s. I believe exactly the same thing would occur. So here we are, 2011, let us hope that uh, by 2016 we have such a president who uh, uh, gets it. And I believe we have time to make this campaign, which you've been making for years, Mm -hmm. uh, both in writing and on on, on radio, and that um, uh, not later than... uh, 2017 uh such an announcement will come from uh a conservative president at that time
2: very interesting well the idea you talk about uh, at the, again on the show uh with Marie Bartiromo, you talked about a modernized gold standard we uh we have had James Turk on this show i don't know if you know James and gold money he he holds a patent on digital gold used in uh, his goldmoney.com project and uh, gold money is growing very rapidly with uh, large amounts of gold and silver and other precious metals. Uh, is It's a monetary, it's a digital gold which I can, um, you know, I can have gold sent to me. It is audited. There is exactly the amount of gold in the vault to back up all of the claims against it. Uh, and I can have that gold sent to to me, to my residence, or I can have it changed into any number of currencies and have it, uh, the proceeds wired into my bank account. Uh, is that the kind of gold-backed monetary system, a modern system that you might envision, or, or what ideas do you have?
4: Well, Mr. Turk's idea is um, a splendid one. And I don't know him personally, but uh, great respect uh, for the innovative ways in which he anticipates a modernized uh uh american gold standard hopefully an international uh gold standard um, joined to the uh leadership of, of american uh uh monetary policy so uh yes it 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 uh, mr turk's idea would be one aspect of um, a modernized gold standard and but it both are actually uh parts of the, the innovation which has occurred over thousands of years in the technology of the payment system mm-hmm. we went from uh, a pure exchange say in the medieval uh, affairs of europe uh between goods and precious metals um um and bills of exchange we went we developed a bank, uh, a bankers notes then which uh, were convertible to gold we then developed uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries the checking account system. Now, some of my friends, uh, you know, uh, find this a a doubtful uh, proposition, but Mm -hmm. that is the way the technology of the payment system advances in the uh, uh, financial system just as uh, uh, the the technology advances in, say, the world of transportation or communications with the Internet. And uh, I don't believe you can stop that kind of innovation. Mr. Turk's innovation is a... Um, advance in the technology of the payment system. So we can minimize, uh, the necessity of holding gold, but it nevertheless would be uh, the um, American money, uh, and access to it would be unrestricted. And one of the ways of doing so would be with Mr. Turk's, um, uh, techniques. He would be one of the many authorized, uh, inspected private uh, dealers or bankers. Who accepted gold deposits and exchanged whatever a, a free private citizen in America wanted to hold instead?
2: Mm-hmm. So you would envision, though, the ability to either uh, exchange your digital money or uh, your digital gold or your, you know, uh, or paper money that would be backed by gold to take it to some place where you could actually get the current the the
4: metals. Uh, the modernized gold standard, which um, uh, I've specified. Um, Uh, includes the activity of innovators like uh, Mr. Turk, But Mm -hmm. in a true gold standard, you could walk into any bank in the United States and present your dollars or your checking account deposits or your bank wire or your banker's check and demand the the equivalent in gold established by uh, statute, that is to say the gold dollar parity. So let us just say that... it was $2,000 an ounce. You could w- walk into your local bank, present your check, and uh, the bank would then be required to turn over you, to you $2,000 in uh, gold coin.
2: We've talked uh, exclusively about about gold. We haven't mentioned silver. Do you see silver as a monetary metal as well?
4: It is a monetary metal. Um, historically uh, speaking, as I, as you, as I know uh, from reading some of your stuff, Jay, uh, uh, you're so well aware of, um silver in fact was the monetary metal uh at in in the late 18th century in, in that that was exchanged uh for goods and services in the, the 13 col- colonies it was the, in fact it was the spanish milled silver dollar and so uh, it being the money of circulation at the time that the constitution was forged there's a direct reference uh in uh, uh, article 1 of the constitution to to um, um, silver precious precious metal mhm sure uh, yes okay. uh, and of course also to gold and silver sure. and the, the reference to uh, silver of course was the spanish milled silver dollar which was the uh, precious metal uh, money in circulation at the time we attempted a bimetallic system um, in the coinage act of 1792 Mm -hmm. And because of the overvaluation of gold, silver became the money of circulation until 1834. Mm -hmm. In 1834, um, with a slight reform and a slight change in the ratio, gold became the money of circulation uh, and ceased to be overvalued and therefore no longer melted down and shipped abroad. So that from 1834 until 1971, uh, gold was the statutory... Monetary basis of the American monetary system. Now they screwed it up uh, after the First World War when they elevated uh, uh, sterling and the dollar to official reserve currency positions in attempt not to use gold. Mm. Otherwise, the gold known as the gold exchange standard. We did the same thing under the influence of uh, John Maynard Keynes's baneful influence at Bretton Woods mm-hmm. uh, in elevating. Uh, Uh, through the IMF, the dollar to the official reserve currency of the world. After 1971, when gold had no longer any role, the world dollar standard became the world's money. Now, we just have to change all that.
6: mm -hmm.
2: Well, we've seen what that's happened. Anybody that takes a look at the money supply from 1971 on will realize an explosion, not only in in government debt, but the debt of personal and individuals, too, which has gotten out of hand, which has caused booms and, uh, and busts and, and lots of pain and lots of malinvestment. I might, I might also add, because uh, you have money going into speculative endeavors that don't really have the staying power. that don't have the the underlying economics to justify them. Uh, is there what can listeners do to help return us to sound monetary standard? Can they get involved uh, politically, or, or what? What should people be doing? Because I, I believe, Lewis, there's a growing number of people who are starting to catch on. I mean, common folks who realize that they are being taken to the cleaners uh, with fiat money. They see their cost of living going up. They see the job creation isn't there. What can average people do that listen to this show?
4: Well, uh, every uh, American really has to look and see um, who his congressman or congresswoman is. Mm -hmm. Um, If that congressman or congresswoman is um, a free market uh, person, uh, someone who basically understands we have to have a sound money and as opposed to inflation it might be very well to or uh, to join up with a local tea party association mm-hmm. because the tea party uh, uh, nationally is very sympathetic mm-hmm. to um, moving forward uh, going forward to a modernized gold standard we know this from Iowa because I was um, somewhat involved in developing um, uh, the gold standard campaign um, recently in Iowa, where it uh, it came across as one of the most important issues uh, among the presidential candidates and actually got itself partway into uh, the recent debates there. So the Tea Party, uh, I think, is the most likely group which can bring to bear influences on changing con- congressmen from liberal Democrats to sound money uh, conservatives, whether they be sound-money conservative Democrats or sound-money conservative Republicans, is a matter of indifference. But they would have to choose wisely, in their congressional district, that person who is well-informed, probably a member of the Tea Party, and probably very sympathetic to uh, reforming um, the uh, inflationary existing monetary system. Your mention
2: of Iowa brings to question another one that I wanted to ask you, and that is, there is a movement now among the states towards a gold or silver standard, or at least convertibility in those states, and, and recognizing the metals as money. Uh, how far do you think this can go, and how many states are involved, and do you think there's going to be a challenge, perhaps in the Supreme Court, uh, against this movement by the federal government?
4: Yes. Um, make my day. I I hope there is a challenge in the Uh Supreme Court of the United States because the most important thing we can do is argue out the issue of what, in fact, under the Constitution's Article 1, Section 8 and 10, is meant by constitutional money of precious metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, On a more practical level, um, since I think the Supreme Court testing is pretty far off, maybe a year or two or three, uh, there are, in addition to Utah, which has already passed the legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I believe, 12 states where the bills are, are in the process in the the local legislature of going through the mill uh, toward, in many of these cases, I think, success. Um, now, the American Principles Project, of which I'm an advisor, we've been uh, we have been involved in, both in the Utah uh, exercise, and we are involved in these other states. And there are a lot of sound state legislators who might make themselves available to listeners and readers Mm -hmm. of yours uh, and enlist their help in making it um, uh, um, a state law. That is to say, making uh, um, gold and silver, or gold itself, uh, legal tender uh, as a state law, which is empowered by the Constitution of the United States.
2: You almost became governor of the state of New York. Uh, had you succeeded in that, uh, would have you made a move towards uh, making gold and silver
4: convertible currency? That uh, Jay does lead to a couple of amusing stories. Uh, the man that I uh, uh, challenged, you know, was a big-time Democratic politician in New York. His, his name was Mario Cuomo. Uh, his son happens to be the governor now. Uh, in it this was in 1982, which is why I remember so clearly that the unemployment level was 11.2 percent in November of 1982. And I might add that President Reagan was blamed for this for the full two years, as the unemployment rate rose as a result of, uh, of Volcker's draconian credit policy. Mm-hmm. So, um, in our debate, uh, I I didn't make the case that under the Constitution given the catastrophic inflation that we had been experienced during the 1970s uh since nixon's suspension of convertibility in 71 that in fact the state had the authority uh to uh, to issue um a legal tender in the form of gold uh, enabled by the uh, the constitution mm-hmm. um of course uh, mario had uh, the same uh, l- uh, pleasure most liberals get and declaring this very impractical and very idealistic, and e- even um, a silly idea, mm-hmm. uh, that was 30 years ago, and it was it was uh, it was um, it was not on the radar screen as it is today. Mm-hmm. In addition, we had a, a big debate on television, uh, which was televised internationally, where, in fact, I raised the whole issue of uh, of reforming the American monetary system, not to mention the international monetary system, with American leadership mm-hmm. in restoring the gold standard. And I'd say during that entire year-and-a-half campaign, I never received more, that time you had to write letters, mm-hmm. more letters on any subject, not just from our own country, from other countries, mm. um, really you know, really excited about the, uh, the prospect. Well, I lost the, uh, the election by a little bit, so I was never in a position of doing anything about it
2: you lost the election by a tiny bit in spite of the fact that uh, you or president reagan and the republicans were blamed for the 11.2% unemployment rate which tells me that there's hope that there are people out there that are thinking at least they were 30 years ago i think there are a lot of people out there thinking now so i think you know people like you and ron paul give me some hope uh, that we that we can go back to some sort of sane monetary system that really rewards people who produce uh, and instead of rewarding people who who may be looking for a free ride. Lewis, I want to thank you so much for the time that you've sacrificed for our listeners. I really appreciate it. Uh, tell our listeners once more that website where they can follow your work.
4: Oh, uh, good. Uh, thank you, Jay. By the way, Jay, you can always count me as an ally in this, um, what I consider to be, uh, a noble cause for um, restoring american the american constitutional monetary standard, standard mm-hmm. namely gold. Yeah. The uh, website is um www.thegoldstandardnow.org www. and uh we have um, thousands of subscribers now. Um, uh we hope that uh, our our effort will be um, reinforcing uh, the one you have been making for a long time
2: fantastic well i want to thank you again thank you so much and i look forward to talking to you again sometime on turning hard times into good times folks don't go away we're going to be right back with jeff dice as ron paul's chief of staff he'll be updating us on the budget impasse and as well as some other thoughts he may have from washington and uh, about thoughts he may have about wall street and what's going on in the market so don't go away we'll be right
0: back with jeff dice Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital combined with advanced technology will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH.
5: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000 while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. www.ripatchgold.com.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and the Good Times. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, Lewis Lehrman and his ideas about how uh, we could go back onto a gold standard. You know, Lewis Lehrman and Ron Paul, I think, have an awful lot in common. Their views are very similar. Certainly their their value system, their, their love for liberty, and the uh, understanding of how an honest monetary system is intrinsically related to liberty and to freedom. Both of these men are, um, are educators and are people that are out there devoting their lives and a great deal of energy and uh, getting a lot of other people uh, interested in this topic. And, of course, I would say that the pro-gold people have the wind at their backs more than any time that I can remember in my lifetime, certainly because the world seems to be uh, teetering on the brink. Today we had gold up. It was supposed to be a good news day. It was supposed to be the day when... Uh, the, uh, the Washington really, um, really, you know, really solved our problems. They were going to raise the debt ceiling and we would be just, uh, ha- uh, everything would be honky-dory. Well, the markets certainly aren't buying it. Gold is up $39.60 now. The Dow lost 265 points today. S&P was down 2.5%. NASDAQ got creamed really even worse. Uh, and anyway, I want to get, Jeff Deist is with us. He's Ron Paul's chief of staff. Uh, Jeff, welcome thanks, Jay. Really uh, good to have you again. We only have a few minutes, but I want to ask you about one of the points that Louis Lehrman made. Uh, he was talking about and he 's very enthusiastic about what 's going on at the state 's level. States are now making uh, gold and silver uh, as uh, are allowing it to be used in transactions, I guess as as they would any other monetary uh, monitor mon- or any other money. Um, I suggested to Lewis that probably there's going to be a challenge in the Supreme Court, that the federal government isn't going to like this. It's likely to be a state's rights issue. Uh, What are your thoughts?
6: Well, Jay, some states have seen what's coming with the dollar, and they're frightened about it, and they want to know how they can protect themselves and their citizens in, in terms of doing business. Uh, should the dollar have a, an Argentinian-type collapse. Uh-huh. So what they've done is basically <clears> gone out and passed legislation in, in a handful of states now that says, hey, in our state, um, we're going to, at least in the future, potentially make it legal to use something other than the U.S. dollar to conduct business, to pay debts, etc." i.e., gold or silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the federal government will respond to this much like it has with the federal drug war. In other words, states want to come up with their own system of laws to deal with marijuana or, or something like that, and then the feds come and threaten them and say, "No, the preemption <coughs> doctrine in the Constitution says that the federal law is supreme, and you know there's there's no longer any any true credence given to the Ninth, and Tenth Amendment." So I, I think that you'll have a situation where the federal government tries to threaten states and say that we're going to come in with with federal agents and that what you're doing is illegal. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, so what you're saying is that no states have yet made it uh, legal uh, to use gold or silver. Well, but they're... they're
6: not doing it as a practice. They're uh-huh. doing it more as a preemptive uh, measure to protect themselves against, you know, tremors or, or fears about the dollar. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's it's such a new idea that the federal government's probably not paying too much attention yet. But if if it starts to gain traction, I think you'll see the feds use the same threatening. Uh, posture they do with, uh, with highway funds or with, uh, with federal drug laws, you know, which force states to criminalize a, a bunch of things and then pay the, uh, resulting incarceration bills.
2: Well, well, so there'll be no doubt a, a big threat to the federal government or, or the establishment would see it that way. Uh, Jeff, what about today's, today's, um goings on in Washington? I guess has, has this budget ceiling been uh, has it been lifted? Has, has it been passed into law yet? And, um, and and what is you know what are the consequences?
6: Well, it's been raised again. Um, the the feds will be able to federal government will be able to go out and, and uh, issue about another 1.7 trillion in bond debt, which uh, will get them through about another fiscal year, perhaps. Um, so maybe the end of Mister Obama's first term. But it doesn't mm-hmm. really mean a lot, Jay. There, there's, they've been talking about this default. They've thrown around different dates. It was for earlier, it was going to be April or May. And the reality is we have plenty of money coming in every month to pay interest to U.S. Treasury holders. That's never been, there's never been any true threat of default. Okay. What, all we need to do to stop generating new debt is to spend only what we take in in revenues. It's a very simple proposition. Now, the federal government is likely to take in about $2.1 trillion <coughs> in fiscal 2012. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is go back to the 2003 budget, which was about $2.1 trillion. Mm-hmm. So For all the apocalyptic talk, all we need to do to stop creating any more debt, now this wouldn't deal with the 14000000000000 trillion we've amassed to date, right. all we need to do to balance the budget and stop creating any new debt mm-hmm. is to go back to the 2003 actual federal budget. Now. Anybody who thinks that the federal government was was uncomfortably small back in 2003 is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all it would take.
2: Yeah, and um, of course, uh, uh, what happens, I mean, one of the issues that we hear talked about all the time is the demographics and the baby boomers and how we're going to be in really tough shape going forward down the road. What's your take on that
6: argument? That's entirely true. and. Uh, FDR and LBJ were right. They created through the entitlement system of Social Security and Medicare, mm-hmm. they created a permanent constituency for big government programs. Many of mm-hmm. the Tea Partiers themselves are within this constituency yeah. and scream holy terror if you talk about Social Security and Medicare, which they feel that they've earned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a terrible, terrible problem for our country. And of course, the Republicans. Did us a sickening disservice when they passed the Medicare Part D mm-hmm. prescription drug plan, which, mm-hmm. is, as an actuarial matter, is actually much worse than the original uh, Medicare program itself. In other words, the drugs cost more than all the doctor visits.
2: Oh, boy. So
6: it it really, as an actuarial matter, it goes off the charts over the next couple decades, and th- th- this. What, what makes that so sickening, and the reason I use that term, is that bill was passed by a Republican Congress as a, as a very naked ploy to get seniors to vote for Bush over Kerry.
2: Yeah, oh, that's it, horrible. It was
6: utterly cynical, and, and any Republicans who were still around in Congress the House and <clears throat> Senate from that period who voted for that turkey uh, basically need to shut the hell up about debt and debt mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, Jeff, I can't imagine that the pharmaceuticals would be on the pharmaceutical big pharma would be unhappy about that bill, though.
6: No, it was also uh, considered a stop to to them because sure, you have millions (laughs) of of potential customers who can't afford your drugs who will now. Get it, courtesy of Uncle Sam. What's not to like? That's corporatism at its best.
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, corporatism—a nastier word—is fascism. I prefer using that. It maybe you don't use it in polite company, but uh, it's my understanding of what fascist economics are. It's government and corporations in bed together. And if this isn't an example of it, I don't know what is. But Jeff, we only have about a minute left um, <clears throat> today. What I know, you're—I know you've watched the markets. All you guys down in Washington do. What is your take today? We're seeing the <clears throat> the markets really get hit really, really hard. What are, what are your thoughts?
6: Well, there's the bond market and the stock market. You know, they, uh, they inflate both of them, and um, you know, there's not much you can say other than there's, there's no consumer confidence. People aren't working. And at some point, that affects the bottom line of most U- U.S. companies. You know, granted, they see a lot of their growth outside the U.S. now. Granted, some of them are not directly tied to consumers, you know, like a company like Google or Caterpillar. But at the end of the day, um, you know, people understand that the real signal sent by this raising the debt ceiling was was perhaps worse than the signal that would have been sent by the so-called default, because the signal that was sent is that, hey, (laughs) this is as usual.
2: Right. Well, that's what's going to happen. Nothing changes. David Stockman, uh, his remarks sound very much like yours in terms of what's happening, and the Republicans just really doing nothing to cut costs, really. Well, that's uh, all the time we have. I just want to just mention that today, once again, the Dow down 165, silver uh, closed at 40 bucks, uh, uh, gold is uh, 1658. Uh, obviously, the markets are no confidence uh, over what's going on in Washington. Next week, you're going to want to be with us. We have some very interesting uh, guests coming back. We've got Jeff Nielsen. Uh, he heads up a very informative Precious Metals website known as Bullion Bulls uh, Canada. And Alexi, uh, Carmen Alexi will also be back with us next week. In closing, I want to thank the staff at Voice America, my senior executive producer, Tacey Trump, Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Thanks to our sponsors for making it financially viable, and thanks to each of you for listening, making this the number one show on the Voice America business channel. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you.
4: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
0: Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren?